Very nice. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning, uh, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. Uh, did I overhear? I overheard Tom say that it's the least celebrated holiday in of all holidays. Is that true? Probably. Uh, well, I, when it made me think, and I overheard you say that, that um, guys don't care about anything uh, when we're older, right? So we don't care about our birthdays, and we don't care about Father's Day. And I don't think the, women, the wives and children appreciate how disconnected we are. I think you should appreciate that because we don't guilt you into doing anything or, you know, pampering us or anything, right? You're welcome, honey. You're welcome. I had completely... Maggie said Happy Father's Day. Thank you, Maggie, uh, this morning. And I was like, right. I forgot about it. So, um, uh, please continue to pray for Roger Bennett. He's coming home tomorrow. And so pray for Sue. He's going to have to take care of them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, please keep them in prayer. Uh, and others that I've mentioned last week, um, if you remember, you know, just keep everybody in prayer. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to continue in uh, our study of agape love today. We're moving on to kindness, uh, which is such a rich and wonderful and deep topic. So, Let's open up in prayer. Let's thank God for our opportunity together to, to learn God's word, to learn uh, how marvelous the way of God is, and to be transformed by the truth, by the Spirit. So with that, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for you. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. You are our Father, our Father who is in heaven. Sanctified is your name. May your name be sanctified in each of our souls every day that we worship you. Worshiping you is the source of happiness. And may we see that, Father, and understand that, that we may be those who you have made us to be, to live in the manner of your Son, whom you have given us, and through which, through whom you've given us life. We thank you for the forgiveness of all of our sins, so that we can always call you Father, always approach you boldly and confidently and closely as our Father, knowing that we are forgiven forever. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you cast our sins from us. Through our Lord and Savior who died for us. We thank you so much, Father, for your love and grace. And as we continue to study your love, we ask that you, through your Spirit, truly impact each of our hearts to see why it is so important to love with your love. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All rise, please.
this story is from Donald Donald Gray Barnhouse. Um, uh, had a, a an enormous ministry, a very large worldwide ministry for a lot of years back in I think the forty the fifties and sixties I think. Uh, this one's called the Drab Typist. One evening in New York, I said to a group, quote, You who have any place of leadership, turn your smile on the little underlings who will never have a place of leadership. A few weeks later, I was reminded of my words by a young woman who was private secretary to the president of a large commercial firm. A brilliant personality, she had risen to her privileged and highly paid place by her rare gifts. The day after she heard me speak, she walked through her outer offices and saw a typist whose uh, sallowness of personality was due to a certain loneliness. The secretary invited her to lunch. The two girls lunched together, and the drab girl thanked the brilliant one at least a score of times for her kindness. During the next few weeks, the private secretary greeted the typist smiled at her, occasionally lunched with her. The brilliant one said to me, it's a trifle embarrassing. She looks at me like a dog at his master, and some of the other girls can't understand my interest in her. After a few weeks, the drab girl came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and the secretary said to me, I don't think I, <clears throat> I, don't think I have ever been happier than when she prayed with me and thanked the Lord Jesus for bringing me into her life and for the salvation of her soul. And now, she continued, I try to smile at all the file clerks, the lesser attendants, and say a cheery word to the porters and elevator operators. Someday I shall be able to follow up my gestures with a word for Christ. Barnhouse concludes, We underestimate the number of lonely hearts that are in every neighborhood. If we have been blessed with robust vigor, we should turn our strength toward the feeble and the weak. Uh, he, in, he titles that story, Compassion. Um, now, when it comes to the kindness that we're looking at today, it is God's kindness. And it would be great if all of our stories of kindness turned out like that. In other words, I was kind to someone. I affected their lives. They believed the gospel that I gave them and their lives were changed. But does every story turn out that way? We're commanded to do the same kindness to those who are going to respond to us with antagonism, with hatred, with persecution. Jesus said, Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. There's, a, there's a, other kinds of kindness in our world. I say other kinds. They overlap with God's kindness quite a bit um, in certain aspects, in certain behaviors. For instance, uh, some time before the birth of Christ, there was a philosophy of Stoicism. And Stoicism, we think of the word stoic as somebody standing there like a statue, right? That's actually not what Stoicism was. Stoicism actually impacted the world quite a bit in a good way. Stoicism uh, also had its love 
and eros, love. Uh, logic, reason, uh, stoicism was a fight against lustly, lustful fleshly desires, self-control. Uh, a lot of things that we read about in the scripture. In fact, some think that Paul was a stoicist. Some who don't believe in the scripture. Um, stoicism also had a kindness. And just like all the other aspects that we read here of God's love in 1 Corinthians 13, patience, kindness, humility, um, doing for others, not seeking self. In other words, not being selfish. The world knows of this. And the world practices it as something that's good for life, right? It's something that we ought to do. And everybody comes to know this. You ought to do this. You don't want to. But depending upon who your parents are and who your teachers are and how much trouble you get into with, say, the police, (laughs) we find in our current world that it's not laws that stop criminals from doing their behavior. It's actually policemen on the street who arrest them and put them in jail. Uh, The consequences to our bad actions, we come to understand. The world comes to understand. And there's a consequence to not being kind to people if you want them to like you. And everybody has that in themselves, to be liked, to be loved, to be wanted. However, and that kindness would sound a lot like the kindness of the Bible, and it overlaps with it somewhat. But the kindness of stoicism or worldly kindness has its limits, right? You're kind to a certain point. So when Peter says to the Lord, if my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven times? And Peter, oh, obviously in the context, Peter thinks this is a large number, a gracious number. And we all know the Lord's response, right? He said, no, Peter, not seven. Seventy times seven. And if he comes to you and repents, forgive him every time. You mean, (laughs) he comes to me 490 times in a day and says, hey, dude, I'm sorry. And we say, no problem. Right? After three times, I'm like, get out of my face. I don't want to see you again. But you see, that... What this kindness is, because love is kind. It is, right? This, is a, this verb is a present indicative. Love is kind. Just like God is love. Love does not look at the condition or the status of the object at all. We recognize it, yeah. But we don't act according to, this is what agape is now, We do not act according to the status or the condition of the object. We love them just like God loved the world. And since kindness is an offspring of love, all 15 of these verbs, they're all verbs, meaning action, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, sorry, 4 through 7, all of them are the offspring of agape. Thursday, we looked at patience. And patience was looking at the need of others with timing in view. Should I wait? Should I act now? I will do whatever God's will is, even if that waiting 
demands of me that I have to make myself uh, somewhat uncomfortable or not give to myself the things that I are legitimate me, for me to have. Uh, agape is, to its core, sacrificial. Hence, throughout the history of the church, we have tried to compromise agape with other thoughts. Water it down. Come on now. God can't expect us to be just like him, can he? Yeah, he kind of does. He says it. Be imitators of God. Be conformed to the image of Christ. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Yeah, he's, at, he's telling us to be just like him. <clears throat> if we think we can't do it, then what we do is we compromise. And compromise is not anything that agape does. Agape doesn't compromise. Agape just does. Agape just is, actually, because God is agape. So whether we benefit from it, that wonderful story, whether that girl was rewarded with the faith of the person that she was kind to or compassionate to or not, whether that girl's response was hatred, we, she, all of us need to be doing it anyway. I say, well, okay. And, and what are the rewards to us? I, I couldn't put it in words. Would any of us think that being like God in life would not have an amazing reward with it? You know, regardless of what it is, the reward of being like God. I mean, how is God rewarded for what he does? what he is. How would we be rewarded? <clears throat> uh, you know, I, I would leave that to you to fill in the blank there because I don't want to do it for you. If your mind initially goes to like financial material and be patient, we've got, you've got, you've got some learning to do, you know, as do we all. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4. So, love is patient and love is kind. Love is patient, love is kind. And then we get into the do nots. Love is not. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to pause here. We did patience on Thursday. You know, we could talk about patience for a month if you were patient enough to uh, go that long. But uh, <clears throat> love is kind, and that's what we look at today. Uh, the verb is Christuomai. Don't confuse it with Christ. Crest here is not the same word. Uh, Christuomai is a present middle indicative, uh, but it's a verb that's always in the middle, so it's a present indicative of being kind. So the present tense here would mean that, you know, it always is this. You know, it's not just one time. It's where love is, kindness is. Um, so it means kind, and that's kind of a broad term. You know, what is kindness? And you probably have an image that jumps into your mind when you think of trying to define it, which is great. Uh, what we want to do here is kind of hone that image into exactly what God says kindness is. And what we must not do, which is what 
the world has done with Christian love or God's love is think of it in terms of what it's not. In other words, to have a false view of what God's love is. And that's why we've paused here in 2 Thessalonians on this study because it is of great importance that we understand what God's love is for us. And that's where we start with this. Uh, Kindness. Now, this verb is only used here by Paul. It's what we call a and you can throw this word around at parties and sound smart. It's a hopox legomena. Uh, that is the Latin term for it's only used once in the Bible. But if you say, yeah, that doesn't sound right. But you sound smart with Latin. Speak Latin, you sound smart. Uh, so it's only used here once, but the noun, which is Christotes, is used, freq- uh, well, I think something like seven or eight times. And the adverb or adjective is also used, which is krestos. And we see this a lot in the scripture. Just like in English, there's a verb, a noun, and an adjective. And so where we look to see where these are used. And first, we begin with God. Uh, (coughs) God's kindness is spoken about in several places in the scripture. And so this is what we want to make sure we know is what is God's kindness. as I have here is more of a definition of a noun, of the noun, but what you know it fits to the verb is that kindness or crestotes is God's gracious acts and attitudes towards sinners. And that gracious act again brings us back to something that is consistently used when it comes to God's love and also with this word. God's kindness, uh, also with God's patience. Uh, And we'll see both of these words, patience and kindness, used together in multiple places. So go to Romans chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to see something consistent in the background. That little very common symbol there behind the word kindness is your hand. Uh, Romans 2, 1. So Paul says, therefore, you have no excuse. Now, in chapter 1, he talks about how the world is, the, the fallen mankind, worshiping all the wrong things and doing all the wrong things. We're terrible, evil sinners. And that's the context of chapter 2. He says, therefore, since you are all sinners, uh, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, if I'm judging another sinner as a sinner, I have no, no reason to do that. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who practice, you who judge, practice the same things. Right? So this uh, all unbelievers are sinners. All believers are sinners. Um, but the context here is still unbelievers, as Paul opens up this book. He, he really, it's in chapter 3, verse 21, that Paul makes the switch in the book of Romans to our salvation, and then he starts to talk about us as believers. Uh, and so, but still, all of us, who, who can we judge? All judgment is left to God. That's the point. Verse 2, and we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose this, O oh man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? In other words, you know, I as judging others, I'm going to take God's place as the judge, and that should exempt me. And that's just silly, as Paul points out here. Do you think you'll escape it? We will not. 
Verse 4, or do you think lightly of the riches of God's kindness, there's our word, Christotes, and tolerance and patience? Love is patient. This is a different word. This is your hupomone word. But it's a synonym. Macrothumia, which is used in love is, uh, is patience towards people. This, uh, uh, this word, hupomone, is used for circumstances, patience and circumstances. God is what? The riches, not just kind, but the riches of his kindness, kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Where's the kindness of God that leads me to repentance? It's in the gospel. Right? The gospel is kindness. So we will see this. That as God defines his kindness, it's very hard to distinguish it from the word grace. Charis. Very hard. They look almost the same. As does the word righteousness. As does the word mercy. I mean, they, they have different... You say they have different nuances but when you look at them as they're defined in the new testament these words righteousness justification mercy grace kindness patience they are all funneling towards the same place which is the cross of christ all of them do think of the kindness of our lord as he hung on the cross father forgive them they don't know what they do Saying, today you'll be with me in paradise? John, behold your mother. Take care of her. It it, it is astounding what agape love. So there on the cross is the epitome of love. Romans 5.8 says, there is the love of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, hanging on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. There is the love of God, dying for his enemies. Sinners, ungodly enemies. That's how it's described in that passage. That is love, and therefore that is kindness. So when we look at the kindness of the world, the kindness of the Stoics, it it kind of seems to run parallel with God's kindness, but then it drops off when the people you're being kind to don't respond or their uh, response is antagonism or persecution, or hatred. But you see, God's love keeps going when the other Eros love falls off. So, here, kindness is absolutely tied to the Gospel. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Right, so here we have agape. But God, being rich in what? So he's rich. The last passage in Romans 2, it's the riches of his kindness, kindness, tolerance, and patience. Here we have God being rich in mercy. So you can see these words start to meld. Meaning mercy, kindness, riches, patience. 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's something that's easily missed here that you see in the original language, the Greek, is that all of these verbs have the word soon in front of them, S-U-N, which is a prefix in Greek that means with or together. So in verse 6, uh, sorry, in uh, where it says in verse 5, he made us alive together, that's soon. Alive together with Christ, raised us up, and they dropped... Unfortunately, New American Standard drops off the together, but it's there. So to make it sound better in English, I guess they dropped it off, but Paul repeats it. Raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, who of us have deserved this? Yeah, I, I mean, we can read through these real quick, and I'm just going to pause for a few seconds. You're born dead, separated from God, destined for the lake of fire, no hope, without a hope in this world. And then because of the sacrifice of Christ, He made, He made you alive. Now, alive means eternal life. Right? Death, no longer, oh, death, where is your victory? Where's your sting? Not only has he made you alive, he's raised you up. And not only has he done that, but he seated you together with us all, with him in heaven. You notice how Paul writes about it as if it's already a fact. Because in his mind and in God's mind, it is. Now, we... There's, there's no greater blessing than that, right there. If you had nothing else in this world, you would be the richest person alive. <clears throat> Everything else is extra. All right. Now, because of this, again, to those who were what? While we were dead in our transgressions, in Romans 2, while we were sinners, wait till we get to Titus 3, what were we while God uh, saved us? Here's your description. By God, foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Behold the human race. That's every one of us. Awesome. So in verse 7, so that (coughs) purpose, in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness, Towards us, toward us in Christ Jesus. And then the famous verse 8 comes, By faith, by grace are you saved through faith. Not, uh, is a gift from God, not of works. Not of yourselves, not of works. Uh, so the notice here that grace, the surpassing riches. Now this, word, this phrase, surpassing riches, we're seeing the richness of God's mercy, the riches of God's patience, the riches of God's kindness. And now we have surpassing riches, which truly Paul has added an extra word here, which means over and abounding riches, <clears throat> which God spent. Right? What does God spend his money on? Hey, he's pretty rich. He has these superabounding riches. 
So he sat one day. I don't know if he sat. He's everywhere. I don't know if he's sitting or standing or wherever. <laughs> I don't comprehend the essence of God in that way. But anyway, with the Trinity says, what are we going to spend all our money on? And the answer was you. I mean, truly, what has anything that has cost God out of all the Bible? When God creates the universe, he's not like minus some material. Like, you know, I used to have all this wood in my shed, but I built a bunch of trees, and now I have less. You know what I mean? Like, when God makes, he's, he's, he's eternal, he's infinite. It doesn't cost him anything. There's one thing in human history that costs God. The death of his son. Let that sit in your soul and my own. What did he spend it on? You and me. What he gave us. It's incomprehensible. And so notice it's linked to kindness. Right? This is God's kindness. He's not just being nice, right? Is that one of of the things you think of when you think of kindness? I'm just going to be nice. Which you should be, right? The the story we read about the the higher up walks through the typing pool. I guess back then, you know Barnhouse is relating a story in, in a few decades past when there's a typist at your office. Anyway, but, you know, that showing of kindness... That uh, openness, that let's go to lunch, that reaching out, caring about others, being interested in others, all a part of it. Well, unbelievers can do that, and they do. But what's different about God's kindness is that it does it to all. And it doesn't matter what status or condition they're in. And that's exactly what God did. That's to the whole human race there. All right, go to Luke 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Luke 6, 35. In uh, part, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount seems to be split up between a couple of di- in a different places. Um, so Luke 6.35, which de- a reference to Sermon on the Mount, which we find in uh, Matthew 5. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. So that means we're all going to get super rich. We give money away, right? Is that the the pastor who says, you know, you give 10% to the church, God's going to magnify it tenfold. You give me 100 bucks, God's going to give you 1,000. And then you all fork fork over 100 bucks, and then I'm uh, richer for it, or at least the church is. And uh, and then you don't get your 1,000. You say, Pastor, where's 1,000 bucks? I say, well... Did you, did you believe it? I mean, did you really believe you were going to get that tenfold? And then you say, well, exactly, exactly. 
Now, what's fortunate about this whole process is that you can do it again. Yeah. <clears throat> now, try harder. Have more faith. Keep it coming. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I love, I love how the scripture does not say, and your reward will be, and there's a nice laundry list. Generally, no. There are laundry lists in the New Testament, but they have nothing to do with materialism. Not one of them. We'll see one coming up here in a second. They're all virtues. And so, you know, what we have to think about and when it comes to reward is what is my state of mind when I love with God's love? What is my condition of my soul when I am kind as God's love is kind? And that's what we're after. Therein lies the reward. Now, when your soul is in that condition... You're not going to really care about how much stuff you have. In fact, you'll relish the opportunity of God if you know it's God's will to give it away. You know, the hope is always that the person you're giving it to is going to respond not to you, but to God in some tremendous way. <clears throat> so, love your enemies, do good, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Well, wait a minute, Jesus, we're already sons of the Most High. Exactly. But you'll be like sons of the Most High. He doesn't use the word like there, but I think we can confidently put it in there. That as being imitators of our Father, that's what that is. Right? Be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. The children of God should look like God in behavior. And so that's what he means there, I would say. And we will be sons of God of the Most High. For he himself is kind to, there's our word, it's the noun Christotes, to ungrateful and evil men. Just, just like you. <laughs> right? That's what we all were. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. There's your just as. Just as he is. So notice, kindness is linked to mercy, which has also been linked to grace. And patience, and they're, they're all kind of coming together, at which you would, obviously, it makes sense, it should make sense to us, since they are a part of God's essence. And, you know, God is love, and these things are love. All right, Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Titus 3, 3. Titus is one of the pastoral epistles. It's uh, with the two Timothy epistles. First and second Timothy and Titus are um, Paul writing to pastors about how they should conduct themselves and their ministries. So we glean a lot from them in terms of that, but that's the context. <coughs> so as he's writing to Titus, who's a, who's a pastor in Crete, of all places. Uh, Titus says in verse 3, or Paul says to him, For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Uh, 
Notice he says we. He's including himself. <coughs> so that's our stock, right? So wherever you've come from, whatever failures you've had in the past, whatever weaknesses you're dealing with, you're in the same boat with every single member of the human race. And none of us are exempt from this. And that's important, And it's important to remember when you are being kind and loving and patient and humble and giving to the people in, around you who may still be behaving like this and say, you are not anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know, sin rears its ugly head when you fall for temptation every once in a while, but you've gotten a lot wiser, you've gotten more obedient, you're not deceived, you've overcome many lusts that you had before. You don't spend your life being hateful, you spend your life loving. <clears throat> and then we can just, and then once we, and this happened in Israel, once you enter the promised land, right, that was last Sunday's message, right, this whole journey of which God is teaching you to understand what eternal life is all about, and you finally getting it, you are getting it, and we would call that now you're entering the promised land. Don't forget where you've come from. God says it to Israel all the time. Israel would have to deal with a lot of strangers in the law, in the Mosaic law. God gives instructions in how they should deal with foreigners. Foreigners are going to come and live amongst them. And unfortunately, they're going to allow, when God said, kick them all out of the land, they ain't going to do that. So there's going to be a lot of foreigners amongst them. God says, be gracious to the foreigner, and then God gives a reason. You were once a foreigner. Be gracious to those who are enslaved because you were once a slave. Be gracious to the poor because you were once poor. Be gracious because I'm the one who's delivered you, not you. You were slaves in Egypt. And all of us were slaves to the flesh, to sin, to lust, all of it. And then you have this marvelous but here in verse 4 a lot of these in the New Testament, but verse 4, when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind, now this love, this is an agape here, this is philanthropia, which we get Philip, not brotherly love is Philadelphia, this is philanthropia, philanthropos, phileo, love for man. Anthropos is man. So his love for mankind. It's amazing that he would use this word here because this word in secular Greek is used of kind of like a brotherly friendship kind of love. So again, in verse 4, when the kindness, there's our word, kindness, of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. You know, our Savior... And his love for mankind appeared. You see there how Savior and love for mankind and kindness are all stated in the same breath because they're all one. Our Savior came with love. He came with kindness. And by, by those virtues, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. 
whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. When did we receive the Holy Spirit? At salvation. The work of... we Eternal life is always linked with the Spirit. The expression of eternal life, we'll see coming up here just in a minute, is, is the expression of this love, this kindness, is always linked with the Holy Spirit. Because we do not do this. We weren't saved by acts of righteousness, nor can we on our own without God, without dependence upon Him, without obedience to Him, without faith in Him, produce any righteousness at all. We are forever linked to God. By the Spirit. By the Word. By our own choices as well. This, well, Not the link. Well, yeah, when you believe the Gospel, you're linked to God forever. But this expression of your relationship with God, as James says, you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. This expression of your relationship with God is completely dependent upon your giving to Him your life. And therefore, your humility which is linked to obedience. And coming up, we'll see, because you can't do... Actually, I found out, you, you can't understand the love of God without something that seems antithetical to it, which is fear. And I don't mean being afraid. I mean the fear of the Lord. That's, that's coming up this week. So, verse 5 again, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. Speaking to Timothy, sorry, Titus, saying to Titus, this is what I want you to press upon, teach, day in and day out in your ministry. I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. So what we were, verse 3, foolish, disobedient, blah, blah, blah. Verse 5, saved by the love and kindness of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then at that salvation, the Holy Spirit is poured upon us richly and then what is Paul moved to? Now come the good deeds. So what? Now I've got to earn it? No, no. You've been made for deeds, works, a life that is good, not bad. And everybody wants good. We engage in good deeds. And part of that engagement is the expression of agape love uh, that we possess. Eternal life possesses love. You have it. Eternal life possesses the Holy Spirit. You have Him. Uh, It's just a matter of understanding and maturing this. And the understanding comes, and I will say this uh, now, before I'm going to get into it later, but there was a reason why, as the, you know, because we all go through the wilderness. You know, getting back to last Sunday, we become saved, and then there's this huge curve of learning, which leads us to understanding. And we get it wrong a lot. 
because we think we know what it is out of our pride, and we you know add to it. Then we learn more of the Word of God, and God says, "Ah, oh, it ain't like that." Are you humble enough to accept that it ain't like that? That yeah, you were wrong. Lo and behold, it's okay. <laughs> uh, we all were what was the word deceived, disobedient? Yeah. So look, it's okay. You were wrong. And then we continue, and this journey through the wilderness has to have a lot of trial in it, because we're not going to for, we're not going to God is forcing us to understand by trial, by pressure, and He allows all these things. And therefore, as we're as we're going through this journey of understanding, do we we have to come to an under we have to come to the understanding that this is what life is, that's that this is what it's about. And by having that understanding, then we desire to actually express the love of God in our lives, and actually we get it. Right, So, it, it, without your choice to actually, you know, not just take all of these words that we're learning today from the Scripture, but how does the learning turn into completely being changed and living it? And there's a couple of words there that we can use that link that, the learning to the expression. Because Israel didn't express it in the wilderness. I mean, most of them didn't. By far, most of them didn't. And there was something they were lacking. Actually, I would say two things, but they're, they're very, very linked. One leads to the other. All right, so expressions of kindness. Uh, just to quickly read one. Yeah, we can, we'll just read it. Go to Luke 7. I just, I'm, I'm peeking at the time here, so... Luke 7.36, out of all the expressions of kindness by our Lord, there's quite a few. Uh, This is the one that, um, I was going to use another one, and then this morning, this is the one that that peaked in my mind. Luke 7.36, now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, we don't know what this woman did. We all assume prostitution. It's a good guess, but it's still a guess. The Greek word is harmatalos, or it's feminine, so it's harmatala. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just the general word for sin. She's a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Now, she has to bring it with her, so this is premeditated. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she be, and we're not told how she got in there. There's a lot of conjecture on how she entered the Pharisee's house. We don't know. Reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, she brought, uh, sorry, and standing behind him, verse 38, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair, with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to him, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, this would make Jesus unclean in the eyes of the Pharisee. And 
you know, in the eyes of the law, well, depends on what her sins are. You know, if you do uh, touch someone who's unclean, there's there's laws for this in, in the Mosaic law. So, you know, but of course Jesus isn't violating the law here, so they wouldn't apply. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. He owed 500 denarii, and to one he owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And I love to this very learned, scholarly Pharisee, Jesus gives pretty much the most simplest parable to interpret that there could be. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning towards the woman, he said to Simon. Now, this I think is important. He's looking at her while he speaks to Simon, the Pharisee. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. She has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? It's a really good question because he's God. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is an extreme act of kindness, especially in this company where she is immediately persecuted and judged by those around her. And yet Jesus here stands here as her champion, as her hero, and says, your sins are many, but you're forgiven. And you see, and why does she love much is because she knows, she understands that if she's been forgiven of all that she's done, which she knows what she's done, then she loves the Lord. And therefore, this love of God is a response and that's why our, our and the Bible uses agape towards the towards God. Not a lot, but it does. I think there's three instances, but it's agape towards God. And we think, well, you know, how do we agape God? That doesn't make any sense. But agape is the love of God, right? So agape is God's love. We respond to the love that He's given us, and part of the expression of that love is complete forgiveness of everything you've done. Everything. Just like her. And that is the kindness of God. So now comes the kindness commended of the believer. Go to Galatians 5, please. So we've seen in these passages we've read this morning how kindness is very close to God's mercy and God's patience and God's grace. And uh, kindness becomes a part of this. And so we have to be careful and not to alter it. 
Right? So what we've learned of it from God, we're to love with God's love, therefore we're to be kind with God's kindness. And yes, this is going to cost you sometimes. Absolutely. And it's up to you. You know, No one's going to know really besides you and God whether you're doing it or not. But it's going to cost you and me. It's going to cost us uh, something. I don't know what that is, but something. And God says, look, you do this, you'll be rewarded. With more something? Say, if you give up time, does God give you more time? Say, I gave up my alone time, now God's going to give me ten times the alone time afterwards. Uh, No, that's not how it works. Not at all. What is he going to give you? Well, you're, you're going to see, you and I are going to see what it's like to be like God. And like I said earlier, being like God cannot be so-so. Like I was like, God, how, were, how was your day? Ah, it was like the divine. Ah, I was like God today. I loved like God. I was kind like God. I was patient like God humble. Yeah, whatever. I wish I had your day, you know. No, like this being as God is, the benefits to it, priceless, priceless. And this is what God, in each of us, this wilderness journey, we're all on it. And what happens to you and your journey through the Sinai Peninsula is not the same as me because you and I need different stuff. But it's all designed for you and I to get it. That's what it's designed for. Life is you getting it. That's what it's designed for. So why is this happening in my life? God wants you to get it. And if your life is not one marked... I say marked because it's not con- it's not constant 24/7 but if your life is not one marked by joy and peace you ain't getting it same with me and so God's going to send you on some more circles through the wilderness until you get it and it don't depend on the people you say well I, there's a reason why I'm unhappy is because I have this pain, or I have this sickness, or I have this person in my life, or I have this stuff to do for this other person over here who just won't quit on the fact that they want me to do stuff for them. And they're never thankful. They're never grateful. They just take, take, take. That's why I'm miserable. Guess what? You're going to get more. They're going to want more. And you're going to keep walking around. I love the name of it, the Aqaba. Doesn't that sound like a nasty place to live? I live. Where do you live? Aqaba. It's terrible. That's that. It's similar to the picture I showed you last Sunday. It's just a wilderness. There's nothing there. That's where Israel was for years until they got it. And that's what God's doing to us. He's helping you get it. It's actually gracious. If we can remember that. So Galatians 5. When Paul commends kindness to Christians in this in a list of virtues, 
in his epistles. Uh, kindness is generally with a list. So it doesn't stand by itself, which I think has its own lesson there. That we have to be careful not to interpret it like stoicism, like worldly kindness. We must be careful that we see it as we've just seen God's kindness. And it cannot be different. Like human love, there's some overlap to divine love, but it is, they are from different sources and they are different effects. And we must make sure that we don't miss out of either kindness or love or patience or humility that we don't miss a very important factor that human virtues, so we call them that, human goodnesses lack, and what they lack is the cross of Christ. This love has the cross of Christ always at its foundation. When I think of how should I love them, cross of Christ. How should I be kind to them, cross of Christ. How should I be patient with them, I must think of Christ on a cross being patient for me. And that's how I should do it. And God has given us all the power to do it because the kindness of agape is always related to the Holy Spirit. Thank God. Because if I had to say, well, how in the world am I going to be like this? God would say, "Uh, you're not really going to be like this. It's, I mean, you are, and we fall into this conundrum again, I think, that people have of, you know, does the Holy Spirit just kind of take over and forces me to be kind, and I kind of go into like a, I don't know, a spiritual meditation trance state where I'm, you know, I'm not really me, it's the Holy Spirit who has taken over and is controlling me like a puppet. And there's, that's not the Scripture. I think the Scripture is all about us making the decisions to do this. That we must do it. But when we do it in reliance by faith, right? Is faith and reliance on God, the Holy Spirit, is going to make it happen. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is going to make it happen. He's going to do His work in you. So we come to understand what it is we're supposed to do. We do it unto the Lord, and it's going to work because the Holy Spirit is going to make it work. And your eternal life, which you have now as a new creature, is designed for this. In other words, like love and kindness and patience and so on are all manifestations of eternal life that you now possess. You possess it through your faith in Christ. So the new creature that you are has this ready to go. Yeah, it's like an adult can walk. You know, you're designed for it. Well, all, almost all of us can walk. You know, once we get old enough, then we can't anymore. I don't know why I'm laughing at that, but sorry if that's the case for some. I understand mobility is very important, but right uh, anyway. Always get myself in trouble. Kindness uh, related to the Spirit. So it's here in the filling, uh, sorry, uh, the walking by means of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit, which is in Galatians 5.21. Galatians 5.21 says, those who practice such things. Now I'm taking the tail end here of the deeds of the flesh that are evident. Those who practice such things, starting in verse 19, 19, 20, and 21, are all these terrible manifestations of the flesh. 
Right? They're terrible. These terrible deeds. Those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So whether, you know, we'll just leave that there for now. We don't have time to go into whether this means they're believers or unbelievers. It's not the point. Paul is writing to believers and he's saying, look, you practice such things. That is not, the, put it this way, those things are not the kingdom of God. Then, but the but is another great but. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There's patience. That's our same word from uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Uh, <clears throat> no, 4. 4 is the one that opens. Love is patient. Macrothermia. Love is patient. That's patient with people. The fruit of the Spirit is love, agape. Joy, charas, great word for, it means to rejoice. Peace, irene, patience, macrothermia, and kindness, Christotes. And there it is. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Now back in verse 16 and 17, there's a war going on inside us. And every believer where the flesh is warring with the Spirit. And the flesh wants to do all the stuff in verses 19, 20, and 21. And the Spirit wants to do this. And therefore, you and I have our choice. And it depends on where we put our faith. And how do we get the faith that turns learning into action? Where do we get the faith that turns hearing this into actual practice by which we are love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Where is that? Go to 2 Corinthians 6. We'll close with this one. I am out of time. 2 Corinthians 6, 1. So uh, Galatians 5 was our kindness, which is the fruit of the Spirit, it must be like God's kindness. We cannot alter it. All right? That's the worst thing you can do. Because you alter love or kindness in a way that's not divine, and then you tell yourself, I'm being divinely kind. And if you're not, you're fooling yourself, and you'll never grow. Right? The growth has to come from me understanding what is the level to which kindness of agape is, and reach for that. Always reach for that. And if I come up short, which I often do, so be it. But don't lower the definition so you don't come up so short. Right? Humility says, yeah, I got a long way to go. But I'm going, and humility, humility says I got a long way to go. Faith says I'm going to get there. Verse 1. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. All right, I'm going to pause here. The Holy Spirit just said, Joe, what in the world are you trying to do? There's so much here, and I'm trying to squeeze it in in like a minute. That's just dumb. So be patient. Um, I'm going to get to this verse later. Uh, Kindness is here in another list. Much like the fruit of the Spirit. Alright? But I don't, I'm, enough, enough is enough. <laughs> Alright. 
Now, there's one other way. Just to close with an application. There's one other uh, way in which this word crestotes, but the ad adjective crestos is used. And in, the, in older Greek, it meant to be good. But the, <coughs> the uh, nuance of the word was good to others, right? So the nuance was, there's another word, agathos, which is a Greek word for good. That's just general good. But this word, krestos, came to mean good that was to others. So it kind of came to mean a quality of service. It's actually used like that. So if you went to like your favorite restaurant where the servants are awesome, that would be called krestos. Good servants there, you know, good service. And so you can see where goodness towards another would come to mean um, kindness. And here's one place in the New Testament where it's used in that way. Good. And here's the application to us as we close. And Jesus says in Luke 5, 38 and 39, But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wishes for new. For he says the old is good enough. And good enough is our word. That could be kindness, but here it's obvious that the context is good. And what is Jesus telling us here? Are you old wine or new wine? And he's telling us, look, if you keep drinking the old wine, it'll be good enough. If I keep, and this is not at all about drinking wine, if, the, if I keep living the kindness of the Stoics, the kindness of the world, in which I'll be nice, I'll be kind to a certain level, and then I tell myself that that's agape, it's going to be good enough. And what will be the problem? I'll never really know what the new wine tastes like. And it's superior. And you are a new wineskin. And we know when you put new wine in an old wineskin, it, it, it bursts it. It leaks. Because wine ga new wine gases and the old wineskin is already expanded. But we're new. And that's the whole point. We're new. And as new, this kindness is there. It's there. It's, it's agape. You have it in you. It's ready to go. You have the Holy Spirit ready to go. All we've got to do is take, we've got to get the courage and the faith to do it. And when we do it, we'll never say, wow, I'm awesome. Uh-uh. I'll say, wow, God can really work, can he? Because he's working in me. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that you have made us what we are in you. Thank you that you and you alone are love. And yet, by your mercy and grace, you have given us that love. May we take these words we have heard today. There's been a lot of them. And not forget them, Father. But take these truths in each of us, myself included, and make them a reality of life. A challenge to be kind to all in the manner in which Jesus, through you, was kind to all while he hung on the cross, dying for the sins of the world. It's an incredible challenge, Father, and we thank you that you have so made us new 
that it is a reality for all those who believe. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, time to take our offering. We will do that and close up. Let's pray for our offering. Father, thank you for the privilege of giving. We give as your servants. We give as your worshipers uh, to you. And ultimately, we give to you. And we thank you, Father, that through these gifts that you give to the church so that it continues. And we thank you, Father, for our congregation that we have here and then online and how you have made us a very unique family. And Father, thank you for all things in Christ's name. Amen. I catch myself singing it. I remember my my microphone is on. They they can hear me singing on the recording. Uh, Let's close in prayer. Thank you all. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for uh, a place that we can gather to worship you together. Worshiping you is the source of all joy. And therefore, we can enjoy together who you are and who you've made us to be. Anyone listening who has not come to believe in Christ as their Savior... Uh, you can become a part of God's eternal family by one decision of faith. And that is because Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, became a man to die for the sins of the whole world. None of us could pay for our sins, and we all know we're sinners. God is just. God is perfect. And He has provided a means of redemption for everyone who believes in Christ as their Savior because He died for the sins of the world on the cross. But He didn't remain dead. He was risen on the third day and raised up and now sits in heaven and waits you, awaits you if you believe upon Him. You don't have to work for it. Nobody could. There's no works of righteousness that could claim salvation by anyone. But through faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That is the good news. That is the gospel. And we thank you so much, Father, for all you are. And uh, we pray your blessings upon all here and upon Roger as he comes home. And um, just thank you for all things. In Christ's name, amen.